Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Michael Gray. With me as always are Michael Gray and Michael Gray. Is that his name? Did I fuck this up already? Michael Gray. Okay, I thought so. Yep. Yeah, so we're all Michael Gray. We are Michael Gray. We are Michael Gray. Um, and we are here. It's our bonus episode for the month of May. We promise we'll be doing these every month, and so we are changing to our word. And um, we're going to be talking about the digital first DC comics that have been coming out um, during this sort of shutdown period in comics. DC has been taking the stories that appeared in some of the uh, Walmart giants and have been putting them online. And you know, I know this is kind of unfair to bring Vince into this conversation, or Michael number two, rather, um, number three, number one, I don't know, um, because Vince already owns all of these stories in in Walmart giant form. Um, did you, you? I definitely read them, yeah. No, I was going to say, but haven't you, in a crazy, uh, in a sign of clear dementia, haven't you already not, you bought all of them but didn't read any of them? Yes, that's right. Why are we talking about this again? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Um, so let's do this. Um, I think we should... What? What's funny? Nothing. I'm so sad. <laughs> I, I think we should uh, pull from our Zero Hour episode and our, our previous things and give a pull pirate or pulp ranking for each of these. Yeah. We don't condone pirating, by the way. No, we don't, but this is just it's just a it's a catchy title that we the came thing up with. You say, yeah. Yeah. Um so let's start with Superman Man of Tomorrow by Robert Venditti and Paul Pelletier. Um Zach, pull pirate or pulp. I'm gonna pull this. Vince? Pirate. As usual, I fall somewhere in between you guys. Um <laughs> This was my second favorite series. Yes. Uh, of the, but I think my favorite is going to surprise you guys. Boy. Interesting. We'll I think I know what it's going to be, but if it's, it's not, Gotham if it's not Knights. the obvious one, <laughs> yeah. Kidding. If it's not the obvious one, I think I know what it is. Okay. I can't believe you feel strongly enough to have a favorite one of these. <laughs> uh, I have a reason, but we'll get to that in a little while. Uh, so th- this series is. Um, there is, it's a series of one-shots, essentially, with different villains from de- from uh, Superman's rogues gallery. Parasite, the Gambler, and Toy Man. Uh, not Gambler, the character from The Simpsons with uh, the enslaved Marge Simpson with his neon claws. Um, is the Gambler a new character? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe? Maybe a new character? I'm not really sure. But Zach, go off. You enjoyed this. No, yeah, I like this quite a bit. I mean, it's it's light. It's not it's not very heavy, um, but I think Venditti's writing is is good enough, and the Paul Pelletier art is fantastic. Like I, I'm just coming off of having read a bunch of Pelletier stuff in the in like War of Kings and Lead, uh, not Legion, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and um, he's really good and. He is. He draws a good Superman, and um, Venditti writes a decent Superman. His stuff with him and Lois, and his interactions with all the other super characters, is is really good. Um, I think, you know, we have a really, really great Superman book right now under Bendis, but I, I don't think this is as good as that. But it it's 
far more than passable, I think. I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, a... I especially liked the Toy Man issue. Yes, I, I agree. That was my favorite of the three. I also like that Venditti has worked like a, a small running gag through these issues, which is the idea of Superman having his suits destroyed all the time in transformation. <laughs> yes. Like every issue, Lois kind of bitches at him about all the money they're spending in suits because it keeps having to leave him in, you know, on roofs and uh, back alleys and stuff like that. I, I loved the bit where a homeless man took one of the ones that he had left. And, and then he couldn't, you know, the heart to like take it back from him. Right, and he also gave him a twenty as well. So. Yeah, <laughs> but that that's a very it's a very good Superman beat to have in a story, and I feel like yes. that shows that Venditti gets Superman in a way a lot of characters don't, a lot of writers don't rather. And um, yeah, I think this is pretty good, Vince. Um, I mean, if I'm feeling generous these would be like a seven to me oh sure at my, sure. At my sure. most generous and i'm not i'm not saying they're bad it's just that that this is going to be a running theme that you're gonna you're gonna get with me and i'm actually to put this in some chronological context um today is the day that uh rich johnston on bleeding cool put up an article basically saying that 5g is all but done away with going forward um and and also snyder scott snyder did some interview where he said that you know after after dan deal left the future of the dcu has kind of changed and it it took some of the shackles off of death metal a little bit pretty much implying that they don't have to worry about setting up the the 5g stuff that was going to happen right and the reason i'm bringing that up is because these quote unquote digital first or, or or DC giant or Walmart book stories um, it when at their best I mean at their best the the Bendis Batman one was really great but that's that's such an anomaly like really this venditti book is the kind of the best you can hope for for these things they're telling stories that are unbelievably slight continuity light. I mean, when we get to the Batman ones, we'll talk about how there's no way these are in continuity. Um, which if you tell a really great standalone story, I guess that's fine, but I could not get over reading just about every single one of these, how much I missed a sense of continuity and place in some sort of DC timeline. Because none of this, I, I'm going to get, it's probably overrated for me to think this way. I probably should, I probably should just let the story be on its own, but it doesn't feel like an important story if it doesn't take place within some greater context, I think, at this point. You know, I've been reading comics now for 20 years. Like, now I kind of need that stuff. These standalone stories how many parasite stories have you read and what makes this any different from any other one? You know, there's, there's nothing here that makes this any better than the average parasite story. Um, and that's kind of going to be a running th and, and, and I'm being harsh. I, this isn't a bad story. It's just that like, it's like the thing that we say about the black label books, all these Joker Harley stories. 
like in a vacuum individually they they seem pretty well done and they're pretty well written but when you've got four of them next to one another like it's oversaturation they don't stand out from one another this uh superman man of tomorrow thing it's fine it doesn't stand out in any way yeah i mean so the thing that i can't actually i the thing that this kind of most reminded me of is like Superman the animated series. And in, in that way, yeah. I think it's fine. It's fine. This yeah, is like I... a Superman story that you could easily hand anyone. Which I guess was the point of those giants. Right. You know, you're at Walmart checking out, buying your. Uh... <laughs> Which is wild that they led with the Tom King Superman story. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. Instead of something like this. Can, um, I, can I say though, I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. You can hand this to anybody. And I think that's where I'm gonna admit some personal bias and failing here because um you know, it, it is it is partially, if not mostly, my fault because I'm somebody who's read this story dozens of times. Sure, sure. You know, and somebody, somebody on the street or at Walmart or or searching around online, finding this for the first time and, and just getting into comics, that's great. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I just – these just bounce right off of me for the most part because they don't do anything different than what I've read a right. hundred times. Can I ask a question? But to be, to be fair, maybe it's the same – question brian's gonna be about to say go for it i was gonna say how often do the the like weekly slog books that come out do anything new or or intriguing you know compared to things you've read before oh they don't but but it's the problem that they're in continuity it's the yeah no 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 yeah. no, no, no 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 it's not even because we because we also talk all the time about how like right now nightwing batgirl so many of these books are not doing anything for us they're not better than these books. I'm not saying like I'm not saying Nightwing because it's in continuity is better than this. I'm saying like you know, bring it back to the 5G thing. At least with 5G there's the promise of something of some illusion of of going forward, you know? It's not until after the fact that you sort everything out and decide which were the good books and the bad books, you know? Like how I realize today that rebirth was bad yeah exactly exactly it's which we could that's that's whole bunch of psychology to unpack there but um <laughs> well here was my question vince yeah so you know this is a much less extreme version of what the new 52 was supposed to be right is it well yes because the new 52 was supposed to be a way to introduce Superman to people who hadn't read a Superman comic before and to to basically do a um what's what I'm looking for here like just to distill all the important stuff into the comics and leave out all the stuff that wasn't important I don't sure. think that's actually what happened but that was sort of the intent right yeah so yes. here's, here's my question for you would you have preferred a new 52 that did this, which was not really 
throw out continuity but just ignore it? Or would you rather a New 52 thing where they threw out the continuity and built a new one? Um, I prefer the New 52 the way it was done from a structure standpoint, not from an execution standpoint. And you'll see when we have our fun little show here coming up how much I want that sort of thing. Um, that's a tease for a You're just talking about future the lines, episode. aren't you? <laughs> nah, you'll see. You'll okay. see. Uh, but no, I, I vastly prefer that. I prefer when it's a shared universe and... Um, to be fair, we don't know that this isn't a shared universe. It's not. I know it's, it's not. You this know is it's nothing. Not. The yeah. story does not suggest that it's not. No, but it's nothing. It's just not. I, I, and I, I, I realize I'm being well, unfair there, to There it. are some like light continuity between these issues. You know, there's Lex Luthor has some machinations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I guess, but, but I, I fully understand what you're saying. Oh, you know what I, point is. Yeah. yeah, and and I'm admitting, like, you know, before anybody yells at me for not not getting this or not appreciate what's appreciating what's going on, like, I know what they're going for, and I like, I think any way you slice it, this is just a perfectly fine comic. It's not at all yes. what I want to read, and if if this, I guess my greater point is. You know whether whether 5G was a, a real thing that was going to happen to the extent that was rumored or not. There was some rumbling about how uh, people who want the old characters to be in their uh, posi- you know well-known positions could turn to these stories, the Walmart stories, the giant stories, to still get those characters. And I just think like. As much as I wanted 5G, I would not want to be in the position that if if I want to read Bruce Wayne Batman to read a, a one-off, incredibly generic story in place of something that takes place in continuity, you know? I yeah. don't know. No, that's, that's fair. Um, now that you've talked about the sort of your problems with these books... On a macro sense, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any thoughts about the Superman story? Uh, I mean, it's fine. It's like, like I said, like if you've read one Parasite story, you've read them all, um, at least standalone ones. And and you know, I think again, this idea that like Lex Luthor's pissed that Superman is getting recognized for having saved the day, but he's not getting recognized for donating the the equipment that also helped build like save the day and and save the the tomorrow basically for metropolis that that's 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 a superman and, and luther tale as old as time um it's fine it's 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 totally fine i like paul pelletier's art too I, i'm a big fan of his i like the way that he draws faces i like how they're like they're like wider faces and so i feel like that there's a lot of expressiveness because the there's something about like the lips and the cheeks that like he gets a lot of expression out of that and I, I really like his art in that way. Like the the Clark and Lois stuff is looks really great. Um I think uh I think a lot of talent like high level, you know, normally s- starting level talent 
is being used on these books, and that includes this story. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's 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 fine. They're they're putting a lot into these. It's it's something for people to read while they don't have their ongoing stories, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's just too slight for me. Well. <laughs> Shall we get this? That's light? a good segue for Batman. Yeah. yeah. So um, we got Batman Gotham Knights, and it's not Knights like Can I G H D like the Dark Knight. It's Gotham Knights like Baywatch Knights. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'd rather watch an episode of Baywatch Nights than read <laughs> an issue of this. Yeah. Uh, this is a real shit sandwich, folks. Um, they're all bad. The stories we got here were uh, one was quote written. By Brad Meltzer, illustrated by Jim Lee. We'll get to that in a second. One was written by Larry Hama, illustrated by Mirko Kolak. And then two stories were written by Michael Gray, illustrated by Ryan Benjamin. Michael Gray, a known pseudonym. Rich Johnston knows who it is. He's not telling. He said it's no one of any real consequence. But it's somebody who... Oh, that's harsh. That's what he says, essentially. (laughs) I know, but imagine being that person. Yeah, well, they wrote this story, so... Sorry, dude. Um, but the person thought they could write for DC, but their contract has it they cannot, and so pseudonym applied. Oh, um, God. So let's talk about this um, this Brad Meltzer, Jim Lee story. Vince, why don't you tell us what this actually is? Um, so it's adapted from uh, – um, apologies if I get the name wrong, but um, it's a it's – a, a, 2010 Medal of Honor speech that that President Obama gave um, to uh, Medal of Honor recipient Sal Giunta, um, and it's it's pretty much verbatim from what I understand, with maybe a, a change or a, or an omission here and there. Um, and the speech is adapted and used sort of as a pseudo narration over images of Batman. Uh, fighting criminals on the street level, basically. Um, Jim Lee on art. And, uh, and that's, that's basically the whole thing. Did I, did I leave anything out? I mean, no, basically, basically Batman's actions and what he's going through are roughly equitable to whatever Obama is saying in the speech at that particular time. And, Batman's, uh, Batman's braver than the troops. Well, I see. That's my main problem with this whole thing because, like, I don't. I mean, you know me. I'm I'm pretty much a pacifist, but I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with comics honoring the troops. There's a rich tradition of that, and I think it's it's valid, and I think it's. But I just don't. This the way that they. And somebody who is a troop is going to see it differently than me. And I understand that this is not for me, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. just, I just think there's a problem with making super, with making the comparison between superheroes and troops or police officers or whatever, because, because what they do is a Batman lot. Batman kills great. people regularly. <laughs> God, he doesn't. But, but. Uh, but it just it just it 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 simplifies what they do it it's overly simplistic 
uh-huh. it in in my point of view it denigrates is probably not the right word um i think it's well, the right word this this is my favorite argument but don't you think cape comics like simplify and and kind of oversimplify everything about life and that's for why sure, for sure but they usually don't draw <laughs> they usually don't draw the direct parallel like this you know sure. what i mean Sure, yeah. This speech weighed up against Batman rolling around throwing smoke bombs and (laughs) batarangs and and whatever. And stray batarangs. Yeah. God. (laughs) This is a very continuity-heavy episode of DC3 right here. (laughs) Go back Uh, and listen to episode where we discuss Detective Comics. We need (laughs) 1,000. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, I just don't... Yes, here's my point, okay? Yeah, there is a world of difference between a maniacal billionaire who decides to, he's going to fight crime on his own versus somebody who enlists in the service for whatever reason and is taking orders from a superior that is not them and is doing something gravely serious. Yes, something that, that, has, that has incredibly serious consequences in a way that even if Batman were a real person, like if one dipshit billionaire got himself killed, like being a vigilante, that's totally different than the loss of a soldier or police officer in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. Just totally different. And I understand that this is the intent of this by, um, you know, by Brad Meltzer and Jim Lee. The intent of this is to honor those who are in situations similar to this. But to me, it does the exact opposite of that. And it says that, like, yeah, your friends died in the war, but Batman has all the money in the world to solve this problem, and he's better at it than you are. <laughs> yeah. And, and and obviously, like, okay, if you're a if you're a veteran or whatever and, and you, and you see this and you think like, Oh, well DC is DC is just paying us homage or, you know, they're trying to do something cool for us or I like it because yeah, I think Batman's cool. And I, you know, and that's, that's fine. I get that, you know, people are going to have different perspectives and I totally understand someone reading this and being like, that's a cool tribute to me or us or whatever, you know? Um, I, I just can't help but read something like this and think like, that's better as a medal of honor speech and not as a Batman comic. (laughs) Yes. You know what I mean? Can I tell you my sort of one prevailing thought after reading it? Yeah. Imagine how mad Donald Trump would be if he knew that this existed. (laughs) Oh boy. Oh, you're going to get people, uh, oh, well. He'd be so mad that there's a comic about Obama and Batman and not him and Batman. <laughs> they're gonna do it. They're gonna. No, do there it. is one about him and Batman though too. We should send. We should send him that one. <laughs> well played. They're gonna. They're gonna do another one in a few years when Trump does one of these, and and Brad Melcher's gonna be like, I can't translate this. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. It's all gonna be like you know, uh, he you know he was great in the field, almost as great as I am as president. 
and uh, you know his friends might have died, but you know I had STDs. That was my Vietnam. <laughs> you know, it's all the stupid shit he said. So, yeah. Uh, so that was obviously the most like unusual of the Batman stories, especially because every other story that we have in this Bat title is just unbearably boring. Mm-hmm. There's a really bad uh, Clayface story, a slightly better Poison Ivy story that still isn't great. Um, yeah, this is the real... Like, that Parasite story in Superman was inconsequential and, like, very unoriginal, but, like, man, the, the Clayface story and the Poison Ivy story are, like, on another level mm-hmm. entirely. And, and as, as I alluded to earlier, are clear signs that these are in absolutely no... Uh, no sort of continuity at all. Well, um, I don't know. The Clayman one was almost like Clayman? it ended. <laughs> Clayman, artist Clayman, the Clay, Clayman, yeah. Clayton Man, Clayface. The Clayface issue kind of ends with like, oh, he could he could have been a hero or something like that. He could he could be a hero. Which sure, is sure, but funny. don't you, don't, yeah, exactly. Don't you think that that's like? There are times where like. Uh, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. Well, they'll allude to a story, a very popular story that's been written while still trying to do their own thing. And so, yeah, you know what I mean? And I think yeah. like the, the, my problem with these is that these could have been sitting in, uh, you know, writer redacted's uh, office drawer for the last 20 years before somebody decided to pull them out and publish them and not a single thing about them was memorable or, or, or of its time or anything. You know what I'm saying? Again, it's the yeah, continuity thing. For like sure, you, yeah. you cannot place, it doesn't matter when this takes place or where well, it doesn't matter the at all. One, anything. The, Cl- the Clayface one even had an Eddie Barrows cover, which oh. could have been pulled from the tech run even. Sure. Even. Even, even, um, yeah, and it's it's, ugh, and and (laughs) not to talk about Uncle Rich too much here, but he tried to, he tried to say something about how these Batman stories are very of their time because they feature these like timely political. I'm sorry, but they're the most generic, quote unquote, political aspects ever. You know, like. The Poison Ivy story is only political to the extent that Poison Ivy is a a righteous eco-terrorist, <laughs> you know? Right. That is her story all the time. Um, utterly forgettable. This is the kind of thing that would be in, like, a bad version of a Batman anniversary or, or anthology yep. issue that you would never re- – you would read it and you would never remember it again for the rest of your life. Any thoughts on the uh, Zero Batwoman 30 story? No. no. <laughs> zero Batwoman 30. No no thanks. Um, no A problem. comic that had literally nothing to do with Batwoman? <laughs> yeah. Wow, she appears as a as a as an Efreet. Yeah, but not at really. one point. Not really. This is maybe the grimmest of all of the uh, 
of all of the inconsequential titles we're going to read. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like if you're trying to do a continuity-free book, there is Batman is maybe the perfect character for that because he's so street level that theoretically, like you know, yes, he fights the Joker every however many months and the Penguin and all that, but every night he could be fighting a street level criminal, and you can tell an interesting story with that. He yeah. has a, he has an expansive rogues gallery. Bust out one of the lesser used characters. There, there is no excuse to do Batman stories as boring. And and if what I if you don't buy what I said about Superman and the Parasite story being something you've read a dozen times, because of how oversaturated the market is with Batman stuff, especially over the last two decades or so, you have read these stories a dozen <laughs> times. You've read this Poison Ivy story. A million times. Yeah. 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 Where to next, Zachy? I don't care. I, <laughs> I I only have one more series that I really have much to say about. The other three are, are perfectly crumpulent, but I think very much just they're they're not bad they're much better than batman i have i'm less interested than superman and that is uh wonder woman flash and aquaman Mm -hmm. so take pick your poison i don't care all right well i'm Um, gonna inject some positivity into this then is that all right vince yeah i really like the flash book i i knew it was gonna be that one i think it's good i think i think it's a good one especially the second issue yes Yes, uh, which fla- felt very not original but interesting. Yo, uh, this is written by Gail Simone and illustrated by Clayton Henry, who's a great artist. He's for those that aren't familiar with Clayton Henry, he's done work for every major publisher over the years. But sort of as of late, he's been a valiant guy and does some really really nice stuff here. I I thoroughly enjoyed his artwork here. Um, mm-hmm. But I felt that Gail Simone, well, first of all, you know, it's, it's hard to tell these stories be, without like Vincent is repeating yourself so much. What Gail Simone did was she found a way to write Barry in a way that still feels like Barry, but I've never quite seen Barry written this way before. It just seems like a slight tweak on the character. He's a little bit geekier. He's a little bit le- less self-assured, but well, it's the CW Barry. Yes, it's essentially the the, C, the CW Barry. Uh, yeah, and the, the CW Iris. Yes, definitely the CW but, Iris. Yeah. Aside from it being clearly being CW Iris, this book though, like to me, kind of like this feels like it could be the second Flash book. Like it. It should be. Yeah, it could be. It's really good. I, I don't. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not saying that you guys have to love this the way the way that I love this, right? But. I feel like I don't know why this isn't being talked about as clearly the best of these books. Uh, it, it was good. I mean, like, I I don't think I like The Flash as much as you do, maybe. Um, I like Superman much more and enjoyed that. And Swamp Thing was my favorite of the three. We'll, um, we'll get to that in a little while. We'll get to that. Um, but the first story is a King Shark story. And there's some very sweet... I think what, what part of why I like this so much is there's a lot of very sweet Barry Iris stuff in these books. 
And Simone does a really nice job of making their relationship feel both very real, but also very chaste in a way like this. It just feels very comic booky dating, right? It's just they're they're very wholesome and I sound like such an old man saying this. It just it just it was just a really nice take on their relationship. But like uh, like I think it was Vince alluded to the second issue, or is it Zach? I liked the second issue. Um that one is is a really it has a time traveler from the future coming back to try and stop Barry because by Barry being the Flash, he inspires Eobod Thawne to be uh, the Reverse Flash, and so she's coming back to kill him. So that can't happen because Thawne fucks up everything. Uh, that was a really well done story, and the third story is a very geeky Ryan Choi story. And of course, Gail Simone brings Ryan Choi and King Shark back into her books because those are two favorite Gail Simone characters. But I thought that all of these issues had a lot of heart and a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff in it, and really beautiful Clayton Henry art. This was, I think, the standout artistic book as well. I, I will say, even though I didn't like rank this one as highly, I think this is the one that could be most easily translated into an ongoing. Like this, this could this could be the Flash book. Mm-hmm. And that second issue even gives you a hint of something. Uh, that could have like a long running arc to it, you know, yeah, yeah. Pot- potentially. Yeah, and that ca- the character who's introduced, I I forget her name. I know they mention her like real name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. but she she like has the makings of a great side Death character. Arden. Yeah, like she she like has like great supporting cast material written all over her. You know, mm-hmm. like so. Gail Simone on a flashbook. Yeah. Yeah. Gail Simone's just, she's good. This reminds yeah. me of the old Gail Simone. And I don't mean that in a way to, to knock her her newer stuff, but I feel like ever since the New 52, her stuff has been very much um, trying to to fit she square. Had, what? I was going to say she had to make up for working with uh, Van Skyver. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> boy. Uh, I feel like it's just her job has been to sort of fix continuity problems and try and reset like you know no it's okay that uh barbara gordon is back to being back girl again here's why like this is the first mm, time she's been able yeah, to sort of yeah. let loose in a while at dc yeah yeah or she had to do a secret six that was like completely not the turned upside six. down yes, exactly. yeah 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 so th- this feels like the first time she's had a chance to do that sort of fun stuff in a long time Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. I think it's really good. So yeah, I thought this was an excellent, excellent book. And uh, this is the only one of the digital first ones that I will be definitely carrying on with. Fair enough. Um, what did you guys think of the Orlando Aquaman stuff? Okay, we'll do that next. Sure. Okay, so we get um, Aquaman Deep Dives, which has two of its issues written by Steve Orlando. Uh, the first one is an Orlando Daniel Sampier joint. Second one is Michael Gray back again with Aaron Lepresti. And the third one is Steve Orlando with very Ken Marion. Uh, or five Ken Marion. I don't know how we decided what the V stands for. Um, it's an old school DC3 cast joke there. Um, I thought this was a snooze fest. <laughs> yeah. I liked, I kind of, mm, I appreciated the third one for having tempest in it yes yes um but otherwise yeah the first one 
I, I would say the first one was going to be a snooze fest because it was again just like dredging up like the most basic Black Mantis story. I thought the twist with the like harpoon thing was interesting and also very Orlando. Sure. Um, and I I don't remember any. Okay, no, I do remember the Michael Gray one. It it was like kind of the idea of Aquaman making the Sea Devils his like liaisons to the surface world was kind of interesting i think that was the best michael gray pinned issue of all these digital firsts um not saying too much though yeah not saying much vince yeah yeah um didn't didn't care for the michael gray one again um i liked the steve orlando one but i'd give it the same it'd, it'd have the same criticisms as uh uh the Superman thing. It's just, it's just a very slight story. The sort of thing that you've seen so many times. Um, the, I liked the, 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 the fiction or the history of the Mermazonian sporting yes. snare. That's a very, that's a very Orlando thing to put in this story, but a, that's really the only thing that stood out to me. Um, the, the biggest thing I came away with, from this is i really wish that uh tempest had played a role in justice league dark yes mm. that would have been cool that's about it yeah um i felt like although i did enjoy that third issue more than the first issue because of the tempest stuff i feel like um the whole like you have to believe in yourself for your magic to work is maybe the most played out trope in fiction. Sure. So Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, again, not offensively bad. Not Batman Gotham Knights bad. No. Um, but yeah. Um Alright, so let's let's get let's go to Wonder Woman so we can end on a positive note. Uh Wonder Woman Agent of Peace. The first story was written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, illustrated by Inaki Miranda. The next two were illustrated by Daniel Sampier, who's doing lots of work on these uh, digital first ones. Mm-hmm. Um, confession, I actually only read the first issue of this. I got a little time got away from me, and that that this is the one that fell through the cracks for me. Uh, well, I think that's the worst issue of the three. Uh-huh. Because I just I am so Oh, you you didn't enjoy Diana meeting Elon Musk and Grimes? <sighs> uh uh we'll get to that in a minute. But I I feel like the um It was basically a Harley Quinn issue. <laughs> yeah, I'm just so sick of Palmiotta and Connor's Harley Quinn. That that character is uh is dead to me. <laughs> I just I can't wow. I wow, frid- fridging Harley Quinn! On no, show. not Harley Quinn. Yeah. I'm fridging their their version. I just it's just wow, so... admitting to putting a woman in a fridge on our show. Yeah, as I take a drag off my margarita. Hang on, do, do better, Brian. You know what I mean. I just I'm so tired of their take on that character. No, I, I know, I know. It's bad. Um, although I will say, having an old man named Cyborgman. <laughs> I will never not like, laugh at that. Um, yeah, it was just it was a lot of dialogue. It was a lot of dialogue, yeah, yeah. But 
But the other two were good or okay? They're fine. Vince talking about Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, fir- the first issue has Diana meeting a... Taking a meeting with Elon Musk and Grimes, yeah. and then uh, they're trying—they're trying to destroy their building for um, insurance money, I guess. No, no, they rent in that building, so they want to trash it and then buy the property cheap. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, I was confused because I thought maybe he was trying to move to Texas to avoid some uh, some of the uh, quarantine laws. I heard something about that. <laughs> yeah. I got that confused with this story, I'm sure. Yep. Um, yeah. Anyway, I I feel the same way about um, the Harley thing. It's just it's just too much, and like the Harley is a fun character, and she can be funny, definitely. But the 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 Palmiotti and Connor version has a type of humor that really wears on me more than any other, which is the just constant puns mm. and and the idea that alliteration is automatically funny uh if you see if, like go back and read this how many times she says like three words in a row that all start with the same letter as like an exclamation or something and that and that alone is supposed to be funny i guess um i don't get it it reminds me of reading a keith giffen book it reminds me of reading like ambush bug where he throws like a hundred jokes at the wall and like one or two of them stick. Um, and it's all very like vaudevillian <laughs> puns and stuff. It's just, yeah. Um, so not a fan of that. The second issue, uh, Lois Lane centric issue, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's like, uh, like, the setting is kind of cool because they're in like the Arctic or something, or or where are they, Norway or something like that. Um, <laughs> somewhere, Norway, the Arctic, Africa, whatever, man. It's all. Not, it's not. It's somewhere... not. The, it's not the red, white, and blues. So who gives a shit? <laughs> it's somewhere. It's somewhere snowy. Somewhere cold. Yeah. Yeah, and so the it's one Minneapolis thing, the one... takes place in Minneapolis. There you go. Yep. Yep. That's right. Um. Uh, the one thing I liked about it, which is very little, um, is I liked Daniel Sampier's uh, designs for the Nordic like beast creature. I thought that was just a cool looking design. But other than that, again, this is just like a throwaway, a throwaway story with no sense of place or continuity to it. And the third one is a Gorilla City story, which again is fine. Yeah, I didn't read that one. Man, look at this. Look at one guy doing the work tonight. Just saying. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I thought we said the, just the first two issues of everything. Or it's okay. I couldn't remember what we decided. It's okay. It's okay. Daddy did the work. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I don't care. Um, all right. Well, let's let's then close this out. Close out this bonus episode with a discussion of Swamp Thing. Um, Swamp Thing. New Roots. By, written by Mark Russell, illustrated by Marco Santucci. Uh, Zach, this is your favorite, so I'm going to let you go off on this one. Yeah, I just liked this. It's been a while since we've gotten a real focus on Swamp Thing, and like this isn't the best Swamp Thing I've ever read, 
but there are some like i think the first issue is the one that i liked the best maybe um i think that's the one that has him like so so the kind of this one actually is pretty serialized um yes, it is. and it, it revolves around this company called the sunderland corporation which is basically like monsanto essentially um they have this this seed that sterilizes that like self sterilizes and sterilizes other plants so that farmers have to buy uh you know keep buying their specific seed over and over again which is you know again pretty timely mark russell does this kind of thing all the time um but there's this bit in this where swamp thing is kind of losing his his touch with humanity as we all are because everything sucks and you just he, he can't understand why humans are so terrible and so he he turns all of his hate and anger into a, a fruit that he plucks out and dumps in the bayou and as we all do as we all do and and sunderland corp um finds these and and are both uses them to make a a plant toxin to kind of like paralyze swamp thing and also there's this subplot with a a um kind of you know spiritualist voodoo practitioner character that swamp thing is friends with who isn't it all problematic not yeah it is my it is a little problematic um but she you know wants immortality and so she thinks she betrays swamp thing and thinks you know eating this fruit will make her immortal but it actually it becomes like a romeo and juliet situation essentially um it ends on this like really like dark uh not quite dark comedy but like swamp things thinks she betrays swamp thing swamp thing wakes up thinks that she is dead and that she saved him from his attackers buries her has a funeral and she wakes up alive buried alive um which was a wild twist i think for the issue to take yeah i liked that story had almost like two or three twists yeah um and i I really liked it for that just just when i thought i knew where it was going they, they he russell did like one more twist at the end yeah, which is really the one thing I'll say about the the Russell Swamp Things issues is that so so some of these issues something we haven't mentioned some of them are like 24 pages which is kind of long the most of them are 16 and all of the Swamp Thing issues are 16 pages and he does a lot I I feel like he crams in yeah you know 20 to 24 pages of story into these 16 pages each time. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think that's a that's a great length for a comic. I think. <laughs> it is actually pretty good. Yeah, he's he's doing a lot of legwork, and not and because of that, I think there are some leaps. Um, there there are some times in the story where I, I think something would happen, kind of not quite off panel, but just not very well explained and and because things are moving so quickly over a short page count. I don't know if you guys felt that. Um, but I, I just felt like this one, I know I said, that I think the flash one could be most conducive to like an ongoing, but I think this is maybe the most well developed overall and feels like an actual mini series more so than the rest of them. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think you're right about that. 
I think it it and the Flash one were my favorites for sure. They're they're the only ones I would even consider reading again, and even that's not a guarantee. So, sure. Uh, the art is also really good. Yeah. You know what the first the first issue immediately reminded me of? What's that? This is this is DC's Immortal Hulk. Ooh. Especially those early Immortal Hulk issues from that like first the first like six issue arc. Mm-hmm. That's that that is, that's absolutely what this this the same structure you know, the Hulk yeah. gets like dropped into this situation where there's like uh, some injustice going on and he basically uh, very grimly uh, figures out who the real enemy is and 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 sorts it out in a very horror tinged way. Yeah, uh, which is not that's not you know. Immortal Hulk didn't come up with that concept, but <laughs> I'm just saying, sure. like of of the recent vintage, it immediately reminded me of that. So here's my, I don't want to say a problem. This is fine. Here's my my one gripe with this book, though, which is that I think what makes Mark Russell such a great writer is his grasp of humor in it, and this is a nearly humorless comic. Mm. And that's not that all comics need to be yuckamups. But I just feel like Russell, even when Russell isn't being funny, there's usually a playfulness to his work, and this has none of that. This is a dour comic. It's Yeah, it's very serious. And again, that's fine. I just don't think this is necessarily the, uh, the best work he's done, or even a work of his I would like to read again. It's fine. Yeah. It just doesn't excite me at all. I think that's fair. It doesn't quite hold up to some of his other work. Yep. Um, yeah, if this was the state of DC Comics moving forward, <laughs> would you guys be pretty sad? Oh, I'd be... You'd have to find a third co-host, and and our listeners would rejoice. No, we I'm would sure. just we would just go back and read all of Bloodlines and talk about it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and do zero yeah. month, and yeah. uh, uh, we'd become a full Hickman X podcast. We can do both. <laughs> we can do both. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. You can uh, find Zach and I on Twitter. I'm at Brian is an app. And I'm at Woker Fox. You can find Vince desperately pleading with Dan DiDio, uh to come back and save 5G for all of us on Farmers Only. <laughs> Dan, at least back. show him the timeline. I'm yeah. doing your voice. Yeah. <laughs> all right, folks. Looks we love you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Vince, any strong feelings in this? No. Alphabetically? Nope, I'm not even going to say that. You didn't have to say it.